Junior Rangers, welcome back. Hope you're having a great week. Hope you had lots of fun over Halloween. This is Ranger Martin talking to you from the Dinosaur Experience here in Watson, Louisiana. We've got an exciting little show for you today. We're going to talk about a couple of paleontologists that got really famous, who wanted to be the most famous, and how it actually went all terribly wrong for them. A lot of lessons to be learned out of this story, but it's a fascinating story about two guys that instead of doing the right thing and moving things forward thought about themselves wanted to be special and in the end it all goes wrong so i hope you hope you enjoy that story it's about it's about two paleontologists so it's very much dinosaur based hope you guys had a great weekend i know we've just finished taking down our halloween stuff we had so many of you guys come and visit us thank you so much i hope you enjoyed it we're going to put a little video up on our dinosaur experience for kids facebook group so if you are a member or if you're not a member come along and join us the dinosaur experience facebook group um, for kids it's a great little show there and you'll be able to see all pictures and videos and that sort of thing all right so without further ado let's get on with today's story So let's have a go straight now into um, what we're going to be studying today or talking about today. And it's a period of time known as the Bone Wars. So what do we mean by the Bone Wars? Well, it's not about skeletons picking up swords and fighting people. I mean, it's not Jason and the Argonauts, which was a, a story on um, a movie that was around when I was a young lad um, about skeletons and things fighting each other. It's not about that. It's about Othniel Charles Marsh and Edward Drinker Cope. Arguably, no two people have done more to advance the study of dinosaurs than these two guys did. But the story of these guys involves bribery, theft, sabotage, and eventually ruined reputations. It sounds very much like a television drama, and not the events you'd expect to be surrounding some of America's first paleontologists. But before we talk about them, I wanted to bring up to you something that I didn't know until today. Now, Michael Crichton, as some of you guys know, wrote the book Jurassic Park. And that that book was made into a movie. Um, and through that movie, lots and lots of people got more and more interested in dinosaurs. a real big thing for paleontology. So Michael Crichton really helped paleontology by writing the fictional story Jurassic Park, which then spawned off all the other movies. Now, he also wrote another book called Dragon Teeth. Now, I didn't realise what this book was about. In fact, I saw this book and thought, well, it doesn't interest me. It's about dragons and fantasy and that sort of thing. It doesn't really bother me. It doesn't interest me. And it wasn't until I started researching uh, Marsh and Cope and the Bone Wars that I understood, and it was pointed out to me, that this book, this book, Dragon Teeth is actually a fictional story set around Marsh and his search for fossils and his, and what happened between him and Cope. So I didn't realise that. I thought it was a story, a fictional story, all about um, dragons. So I'm so glad that I did this research because I've recently bought this book. I've started to read it. Can't tell you how it's going because I've only just started, literally a few chapters in. Um, but Michael Crichton can write a very good story. So if you're in the library... 
and you've read Jurassic Park and you like that book, it might be worth having a look at Dragon Teeth um, and get some of the historical aspects to the search for fossils and that sort of thing. So I didn't realise that. That's pretty cool. So anyway, back to our story about, about Char Othniel Charles Marsh and Edward Drinker Cope. So Othniel Charles Marsh, I'll call him Marsh, he was born in 1831 in Lockport, New York, to a family of farmers. Now, Marsh had a very, very rich uncle called George Peabody. And he comes back into the story in a little while. But just understand that basically Marsh's whole life was funded by this very rich uncle, George. Now, because of his uncle's influences, he was able to attend the Yale University. And also, he went to another university in Germany, all on the, on the dollar of his rich uncle, George Peabody. Now, while he was there, he studied paleontology, which was a relatively new field at the time. And also, while in Germany, he studied anatomy. Now, when he came back from Europe, he became the first professor of paleontology in the United States. And he worked at the Peabody Museum of Natural History, which was in the Yale University. Now, remember, I said that this guy, Charles Marsh, Othniel Charles Marsh, was funded by his uncle, the very rich uncle, George Peabody. Did you catch the name of the museum that he worked in? The Peabody Museum of Natural History? at the Yale University. It's no surprise that O'Neill Marsh managed to get himself into Yale because his, his uncle funded the museum there. He actually paid for the museum to be there at Yale University. And that opened a lot of doors for him. Now, on the other hand, Edward Drinker Cope. He was born in 1840 in Philadelphia. And he was born into a wealthy family as well. Now, but Cope showed an interest in science at a very early age, although he never had formal training as a paleontologist. He studied under Joseph Leedy, who was a professor of anatomy, who discovered the first dinosaur remains ever to be discovered in the United States. And so Joseph Leedy, he's known as the person who discovered the first ever dinosaur in the United States and put it on display. And Cope studied under Joseph Leedy. Cope's father sent him to Europe. There's a couple of reasons why. Firstly, we believe he, we had a, he was having a love affair that his, his father didn't approve of. And also, probably to avoid being drafted into the Civil War. Now, whilst he was in Europe, in Germany, he met Othniel Charles Marsh, who was also at the same university, probably doing very similar things to Cope, avoiding being drafted into the war. Unfortunately, this is what happens with rich, richer people. They, they can fund their families and get them out of dangerous situations so they don't get drafted into war situations. And that's pretty much what happened with these two guys. And they met in Germany. And when they first met, they were actually pretty good friends. They got on really well, and they exchanged ideas and thoughts, and they got on really well. So well, in fact, that when they came back, they kept in touch, and they wrote letters to each other. One day, Marsh sent Cope a letter asking to be shown where the hadrosaur, which had been discovered by Leedy, who was Cope's boss, had been found. Remember what we said about the first dinosaur that had been found? It was a hadrosaur found by Leedy, and Cope was working there with Leedy on the actual dig site. And Marsh asked, wrote a letter and asked to be shown the site. So Cope agreed 
and we and Marsh came over and he introduced him to several of the local natural history scientists, gave him a big tour of the site, and the two got on really well. They split on very good terms and Marsh headed back home and the two men, for all purposes, seemed to have a very good mutual respect for each other. So much so that they actually named fossils after each other. So they discovered fossils and they um, Cope named one after Marsh. Marsh named one after Cope. So they two were pretty friendly. But soon afterwards, Cope started to notice something strange. He noticed his people at the dig site had suddenly stopped finding any fossils at all. Now, this site had been a hotbed of finds, and they'd constantly thrown up small and medium-sized fossils throughout the whole time they'd been looking there. But all of a sudden, everything had stopped. They were finding nothing. Now, when he investigated it, Cope found that Marsh had cut a deal with the owners of the quarry, and he'd paid for any finds that had been found in the quarry were to be shipped to him directly at Yale University, cutting Cope and Lily out of the whole thing. To make matters worse, the fossil that Marsh had named after Cope, which was the Mosasaurus copernus, had in fact come from the dig site that Cope had shown to Marsh. So understandably, Cope was absolutely furious. A small amount of time passed, kind of brushed it away. Cope was still angry at Marsh, who tricked him into basically losing all these fossils. And Cope had been working on reconstructing a Lasmosaurus, which is a type of pleosaur. And he had big hopes. He, he hoped that this new animal would propel him into fame amongst the scientific community, make him somebody that people would, would know and respect because of this find. And he put it all together. Now, in a rush to publish his uh, documents, Cope made a very significant mistake. So what, if you can imagine, this, this, this is a, like the, the fossil that he'd been putting together. And he had the skull. And what he believed was this, this end here was his tail, and this end here was, was the, the neck. So he put the skull on where he thought it would be. Okay? And he published a paper. Now, it went out, and uh, Marsh looked at the paper, and he brought up the fact that he thought the head was on the wrong end. He said that this part here was actually a very long neck, and the head should actually go on that end, and not on the other end, which was actually its tail. So what happened was, Leedy actually got involved, who, remember... He was Cope's boss. And Leedy studied it, and he said, actually, Marsh is correct. You put the head on the wrong end here. You've put the head on the tail, and whereas it should have been on the long end where the neck was. Now, Cope was distraught. He was absolutely embarrassed. He was so humiliated that he tried to buy back all the copies of the journal and the article that had been published now, Marsh wouldn't let him live it down. Marsh actually went out and he wrote more and more papers about what a fool this man was and how silly he was and what a mistake and nobody nobody could take this man seriously because of the, the, the incorrect findings and the fact that he'd put the head on the wrong end, wrong end of the dinosaur. So this kind of fueled the, the fury between these two guys now. These two guys really, really didn't get along. 
1870, Marsh headed out to one of the first organised fossil hunts in the West. Now, he stayed very close to military bases for protection, because remember, we're talking about the West. It was the undiscovered lands. The Native Americans were still living out there. There had been issues between the the settlers and the Native Americans, as, as the settlers had tried to take over the land that obviously wasn't theirs. So he stuck very close to military bases. And the other thing that Marsh loved, he loved publicity. He loved to be the person that people spoke about. So much so that one of the guides that he hired was actually the very famous Buffalo Bill. And Buffalo Bill led part of the, um, the expedi- expeditions and led them around and helped them to stay safe. Now, obviously, Cope followed the adventures of Marsh with interest and, to be honest, jealousy. He wanted to lead his own scientific inspection, but where he worked, the Academy of Sciences, they didn't fund that sort of thing. They relied on people sending them their funds, their fines, rather than going out and searching for them. So Cope finally managed to get some backing. It took him a couple of years. So in 1872, he actually set out on his own expedition. And having arrived in Wyoming, Cope got a few local men and supplies and set out to find fossils. But what Cope didn't realise was they were being closely watched by men who were paid by Marsh as spies. And they soon started reporting back to Marsh that Cope had begun to find fossils. Now, Marsh was furious that Cope would dare to search in an area that he had laid claim to, and he considered all those fossils to be his. Now, also by chance, Leedy, who is Cope's boss, he was also en route to the area to begin his own fossil-finding expedition. So now we've got We've got Marsh, Leedy and Cope all working in the same area, all trying to find the same sort of things. Now, while the other two teams were heading to Wyoming, Cope and his team worked all day. They worked seven days a week, working really hard. And within a few weeks, the other two men had also turned up. Now all three teams worked and started uncovering the fossils. Leedy, Marsh and Cope all found fossils of what was turning out to be the same animal. But instead of working together and consulting with each other to discuss their finds and to get the scientific facts correct, instead, they quickly hurried out their papers in an attempt to get the naming rights to the animal. These were the times where if you could name a new animal and a new beast, you were the person that people spoke about. And it was something that drove both Cope and Marsh. Leedy was more scientific. He wanted things to be correct. But Marsh and Cope desperately wanted the attention. So Cope and Marsh both wrote very short descriptions and they telegraphed them quickly back home, only to find out that Leedy had actually beaten them both to it and he had actually the naming rights to the new discovery. Now, instead of continuing their research, both men just pushed on with their search for new and better finds, meaning that the scientific research was pretty much ignored. Now, both men were driven by their desire to be known and they continued to churn out short papers on the discoveries. They would find something, write a very small, maybe one or two paragraph note about it, name it, then move on to the next fossil. And this is what both of them were doing. Now, this caused many, many mistakes, such as claiming that some juvenile fossils to be completely new species. And in one case, 
it was believed that 24 species were wrongly identified as individual species, when in fact they were actually the same animal. It took decades for paleontologists to correctly name all of the mistakes that the rush to be famous had caused. The situation spiralled with personal attacks from Marsh, who was claiming theft and fraud, and even faking the dates on some of the papers that were put through, trying to push forward and publishing this stuff in the public journals. Now, most of the scientific science society got really fed up and disgusted what was, with what was happening. And this included Leedy. Leedy had no interest in the arguments. And eventually, he just up sticks and quit. He left the field of paleontology, leaving just these two guys now to battle it out. He'd had enough. He didn't want to know anything more about it. Now, a similar situation happened in Wyoming. A new discovery, Marsh made his men work through the winter. It was a very dangerous place to be in such cold weather, but he was so driven to be the name of the discovery. He made his men work through very, very, very cold situation, working throughout the winter. Now, Marsh grew more and more convinced that Cope was stealing his fossils. And so he hired a spy that would go and work in Cope's camp. Now, remember, they're both now working in Wyoming. And both men started to become super protective of their dig sites. So much so that if Marsh thought he couldn't protect an area, you know, he'd finished digging there or, or he, couldn't have, he didn't have the time to go back because he'd found something new somewhere else. Instead of leaving it there, he would actually blow it up with dynamite. I mean, that's pretty disgraceful what he did just to stop um, Cope from, from coming across his dig sites and finding other things. Now, there were even reports of rival gangs that would turn up at dig sites and throw rocks at the, at the people working there and attempt to intimidate the workers and make them quit. Now, Marsh, he now set about building an entire scientific empire, all based out of Yale University. Remember, his, his uncle's funding him. He chose not to be paid, which went down obviously very well with the university. And his uncle just bankrolled all of his adventures, all of his research. Now, this allowed Marsh to do pretty much as he wished. He didn't have a boss, all the bosses he had. They wanted to keep him for the funding that his uncle was providing and also the fact that he was working for free. Now, let's skip now to November 1878. Marsh, with the backing of his rich uncle, Peabody, he is now appointed as the new president of the National Academy of Sciences. The federal government had spoken to this organisation and they wanted them to advise them in how to, the best way of mapping the American West. And they decided between them to consolidate the various surveys into one organisation. And the organisation, the leader of that organisation, then appointed Marsh to be the chief paleontologist. So he's the top man now in the whole of America. Marsh has got himself to the top of the tree. He's undisputed the leader of the paleontologist community in America. Now Marsh had so much power now and he also had unlimited government spending. He could do whatever he wanted to but instead of choosing to advance science and go out and work and, and fund different things, he came up with a plan to absolutely destroy his rival, Cope. 
Now, Cope, he was having a bit of a different time. He was out on his luck. He'd wasted all his money on poor investments. His wife had left him. So now Cope had pretty much nothing to his name. Marsh, seeing that his rival was weak, set out to destroy him. Using the powers that he had, he basically forced through a brand new law that said that any fossils that are being uncovered using any government funds would automatically become the property of the Smithsonian organisation. Now, Marsh's plan was that Cope's whole collection could be taken from him in one swift move. Now, he hadn't realised that Cope had kept meticulous records. He had records of every single penny he'd spent. And Cope was able to prove that the fossils had all been funded through his own money. Not a single fossil was taken from Cope. Now, this obviously upset Marsh because his plan was to destroy Cope. But more than just upsetting Marsh, it absolutely infuriated Cope. Cope was now set on revenge. Not only had Cope kept records of his own diggings, he'd also kept records, very meticulous records, of all the wrongdoing that Marsh had done. He handed over all his notes to a newspaper reporter. And on one Sunday morning in 1890, the story broke. The story was picked up by the newspapers and they all ran with it. They loved it. The people couldn't get enough. Now, the story, some of it was true. Some of it was half true. Some of it was made up. But that didn't matter because at the time, newspapers were not held accountable. They just wanted stories that people would read. So Marsh's reputation was absolutely destroyed. He was the top man who was the only, you know, he was the leader of the Paleontology Society in America. And in one instant, in one newspaper report that was reported and re repeated, his reputation had been completely destroyed. He was accused of fraud, plagiarism, and most importantly, misusing government funds. As a result, the funding to the sciences were cut in half. The paleontology section was completely disbanded. Marsh found himself out of a job with zero funding. Now, it doesn't just end there, because what happened next was almost comical. Because of the law that Marsh had forced through, his own personal collection, now he was no longer employed by the federal government, came under that law. And he didn't keep records like Cope did. Cope was the record keeper. Marsh was not. Marsh couldn't prove how 90% of his funds or of his fossils had been funded. And so the government took pretty much his whole collection. Every single thing. And that meant now both men were destroyed. Cope had no money, although he had a collection of fossils which he couldn't sell because nobody wanted to buy them. Marsh was broken, his reputation in tatters, and he didn't have his fossil collection. That's pretty much the end of the story, apart from one minor twist. These two still couldn't stop digging at each other. Cope, in his will, put out a challenge to Marsh. 
because Cope died first. And he said, when he died, he wanted his head cut open and his brain to be weighed. And he challenged Marsh to have the same done when he died, so that they would finally know, or everyone would finally know, who was the more intelligent. Would it be Cope with a heavier brain, or would it be Marsh with a heavier brain? Now, Marsh, when he died, he didn't, ha he didn't go for it. So the truth is, the brains were never measured against each other, so that question never got answered. But it was just fascinating that these two just couldn't stop digging at each other even though they'd managed to destroy both of their lives now there's some important facts to think about here it's important things to think about here these two guys could have easily had what they wanted they could have both been known as very very influential people in the dinosaur world there's no reason both of them couldn't have had that but they were driven by jealousy. They were driven crazy by the success of the other person. And life's lesson is, don't worry about what anybody else does. There's plenty out there for everybody. If you want to be a sports athlete, there's plenty of room to be a sports athlete. Just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean you can't do it as well. Just because somebody else succeeds doesn't mean they're taking away your success. Your success is only guided by you. And that's something I think we can learn when we look at the lives of Cope and Marsh and understand that these two people were driven by uh, the want to be the person who was recognised as the top paleontologist and it ended up destroying both of their lives. So don't ever let jealousy ruin your life. So there we have it, guys. That's the end of today's podcast. I hope you learned something. I hope you found it interesting. And I hope we kind of looked at life's lessons between these two guys, between Marsh and Cope. And we learned how we should do things better. Don't go out and look at somebody else. There's plenty of, of stuff around for all of us out there. Don't worry how good or bad somebody else is doing. Just concentrate on yourself. That's all that matters in the end. All right, don't forget, you can join us on the Dinosaur Experience for Kids Facebook group. We'd love to see you there. And that's where we put all our pictures and things up. And if you wanted to meet us, our dinosaurs, um, we put all our public events on our website. That's the dinosaurexperience.com. Just have a look for the public events and they're all there. We can also come and visit your school or your library or your summer camp, anything like that. Just get in touch with us at thedinosaurexperience.com and we'd love to come along and say hello. So, until next time, Ranger Buddies, have a good day, have a good week, and we'll see you very soon. Bye-bye.